Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. 25 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with me this evening. I really do appreciate it. Sometimes when you listen to politicians speak, do you ever ask yourself, and I'm sure you certainly do ask yourself, what kind of leadership do we truly need in this country to turn the picture around? And do we have that within the leaders? And I'm talking here about the characteristics. When you think about the leaders we have, do they have the wherewithal and the characteristics uh, to turn the picture around? But then you also have to ask yourself, how, how deep in a hole are we? And can the best amongst us turn the picture around? Even if we had new talent with absolutely new ideas, with absolutely new energy, can they turn this around or are we just too deep in a hole? The answer to that obviously would be at least yes, hope so. Even if it's blind hope, I would say. Because the antithesis of that is that you would be locking yourself up in a downward spiral of hopelessness. But that notwithstanding, we need to be able to emote about our politics, yes, but we also be, need, need to be able to rationalize about our politics. And that is to ask ourselves the rational question, is it fixable or is it beyond repair? And that's the conversation this evening I want to have uh, with Dr. Dale McKinley, Research and Educational Officer at the International Labor and Research Information Group. Uh, Dale, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Good evening, Oliver. Yeah. I, I, I really want to start here. I mean, you know, there are countries that um, we, we can talk about clear cut cases of what we can define as sta failed states, right? And they didn't become failed states overnight. There, there was a trend. Uh, there was data points that you can sketch over time that can tell you what the picture towards failed statehood looks like. Right. And what the leadership decisions were and the leadership characteristics were that was along that path towards uh, failed statehood. And, 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 and that being said, are we there? Are we tracking along that path? And are our leaders behaving in ways and exerting their leadership in ways that tracks furthermore along that path towards a country beyond repair? Uh, Oliver, you know, I think that uh, our politicians and particularly the ruling party, which, of course, has been in charge uh, for the last over a quarter of a century, um, have taken us in the wrong direction. That's for that's for sure. Um, I, I do not believe that we are a failed state. I do not believe that uh, we are beyond repair um, at all. I think what we have is we've had a leadership uh, that initially there was an initial leadership that I think came into power with a at least a, a sense of a public ethos. In other words, that you're there to serve uh, the public, you're, you're there to build a new country, to try to overcome the legacies of apartheid. Um, I mean, there were a lot of, I would argue, early, early mistakes that were made in that process, but there were uh, at least some leaders that were in that direction. Over time, what has happened, uh, both within the ANC and then I would argue amongst other parties uh, to a greater or lesser extent, is that once leaders have, have uh, moved into that uh, positions of power, whether that's at local level, provincial level, or national level, uh, they become sort of sucked in by the power game and the, the money game. Um, and that's about, you know, when you, when you become a director general or you become a minister or you become a deputy minister or you become an MEC, you're, you're overseeing huge budgets oftentimes. You're, over, you, you're in charge 
of things. And I think what's happened is the culture, the public ethos disappeared and the self-interested ethos overtook that. And, and either with self-interested in terms of the individual or the party, uh, both and oftentimes intertwined. And that has then resulted in huge governance failures and huge, uh, uh, whether it's corruption, whether it's simply mismanagement, whether it's putting people who are not supposed to be in particular positions, uh, because the public ethos of serving, of delivering, of being honest and being, in, in, you know, having serving with integrity uh, sort of has disappeared to a large extent. And that's the problem. And I guess the, the, the question then is, is it redeemable? Absolutely. Because, you know, the one thing about our country is that we have amazing people in this country, um, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we can't say we've got amazing politicians. I think there are obviously some that are better than others. But, you know, generally speaking, our, the ordinary people in this country are amazing. We've proved it time and time again. Yes, there's hugely deep problems. Yes, there is a, a, a lot of things to overcome. But uh, we have uh, people that are incredibly talented. And, you know, the other thing is the generational uh, issues uh, where a lot of and, and you talk about failed states and about whether characteristics of that leadership. And oftentimes what happens is when you get ensconced or you get too comfortable in a position, whether that's as a CEO of a company or whether that's as a president of a country or whatever, or your party itself, and you just don't want to give it up. And so you try to find all the different ways to do that. But we are not yet. We still have democratic institutions. We we still have uh, contestation in our country. We still are able to dissent. Yes, there are problems, but we can rescue this. Of course we can. It's not going to be easy. But ordinary people in this country showed in the past that they could overcome huge amounts of oppression and exploitation and narrowing of the democratic space uh, that were much worse than yeah. we have today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so to the more real political theory normative set of questions is this. I mean, we're certainly not a failed state, but if you were to, in real terms, across the youthfulness of our democracy, it's only been 30 years, right, uh, were to sketch out the maturity of our democracy on some sort of an index, what would you, where would you place the maturity of our, of our democracy? And what does that tell you about, in, in, in relative terms, the value of leaders and institutions uh, that we have in South Africa? Well, I think in, in many ways, our institutions have been quite, some institutions have been quite resilient, some democratic institutions, some have been battered and bruised, uh, trying to be undermined. Uh, so it's a mixed, it's a mixed story on that front, on the institutional front. I think in terms of the integrity of our democratic process, if you think of elections, it's generally been uh, fairly, uh, inter I think, you know, honest and, and reflection of the reality of, that, of the situation, even though there have been problems with violence and intimidation and harassment and those kinds of things. But if we look ourselves in the global picture, when we ask what is a mature democracy, we have democracies that have been around for 200 years. And look what's happening in those democracies. The same kinds of things oftentimes where, you know, we looked at the UK, for example, a few years when Brexit happened and we were, I think people were astounded. Or you look at the United States and you see what's going on in the US and, and, and many parts of Europe. So I think it's not about length of times of democracy. It's about whether the institutions can withstand the assaults that come from those who want to capture them, who want to use them for their own interest. And this is not specific to South Africa. This is a global issue, and we've seen it across the board. 
And people themselves, you know, democracy means people themselves beginning to assert their power and assert their, their, their position. And as long as that continues, as long as people themselves will continue that, our democracy can be uh, rescued, our democracy can be improved. Uh, doesn't mean we're going to solve all the problems. If people give, as you mentioned, if people give up, if they say, well, there's nothing I can do, or it's just too much for me, then you can see what happens. The strong men take over yeah. uh, oftentimes. Yeah. And, and they then rule with an iron fist. Give us a call. I'm taking your reactions to the 086-000-2032. 086-000-2032. It may, it may seem like a fairly mundane question to ask, but what are the characteristics that we need in good leadership in South Africa to turn the picture around? And I know you've thought about this. You've discussed it around the dinner table with your friends, around the braai, around the water cooler at work. It's a discussion that's ever-present, you know? Uh, and, 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 and what are some of the, the lessons or at least uh, what, what are some of the values that you're able to extrapolate out of that question that you think South Africa desperately needs? Tell me in a call or a WhatsApp voice note, 86 WhatsApp voice notes and 614 Dale, perhaps to this, is there an example anywhere in history of what it took to turn the picture of demise around for a country that may have been on the precipice of failed statehood or hopelessness or, uh, you know, the entire state disintegrating. Is there an example of a leader that may have been able to take a country uh, away from the, the, the precipice of that? I think so. Um, I mean, if you think of the conflicts that happened, I mean, for example, let's take India. When uh, it was uh, gaining uh, its struggle against uh, Britain, you know, against Britain for its independence, there was huge volatility. There was a whole range. I mean, uh, whether it was Hindu, the Hindu-Muslim divide, whether it was uh, caste divides, ethnic divides, uh, that were threatening to rip the countries apart. And it, it did to a certain extent. Obviously, it, it there was partition of a sort. But from what was there, you know, when Gandhi came uh, into that situation and. And it, with all his faults, uh, and, and and there's there's many of them, and he can be we can criticize him, but he was able, and 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 many others, but around him were able to uh, make a transition, which was at least to the to a certain extent, I think, rescued, um, and instituted at least for a while a really you know um, quite a, a vibrant democracy, out of a situation that was there. I think there are also examples in Central America and Central and South America, uh, where people of I think Lula. Um, has 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 uh, pulled Brazil through a, a situation, or at yeah. least gotten it through a situation very similar, where it could have gone really deeply south and deeply, you know, polarized into an almost civil war situation. So yes, I do think there are examples there uh, throughout history and even more currently. It, it, it's both. It's interesting that you use both a Gandhi example and a Lula example uh, because they both speak to a specific ideology. Uh, does that level, does that type of political ideology tell us anything about the characters of the leader? And that it's uh, a form of social democracy, or depending on how far right you may be, you may actually call it socialism, um, where it is about a a, a, a a caring state, effectively, but a state playing a big state role, or if we call it in, in, in plain political theory speak, big government role. Lula certainly has that ideology right now for Brazil, and that's how Brazil seemingly is becoming being fashioned out um is 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 that what you is does it tell us does the ideology tell us anything about the character sure of course it does but you know ideology is only as good as it's put into practice there are a lot of leaders that talk good game uh that talk you know i'm a this i'm a this i you know and and 
uh, including on the so-called left. You know, I'm a socialist and then do exactly the opposite. We have examples in our country right now where we have communist ministers that are implementing hyper-capitalist policies. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, it, yes, so ideology is, yes, those who try to put something different into place and whatever we want to call it. And I think oftentimes we get caught up in the semantics of isms. Um, it's about, we, we're in a global situation where people need to change society to be more equal, to be more just. I mean, you have to be, you talked about rationality. As a rational human being, it's in the interest of everybody to sort these things out, to be able to be a more equal society. So we don't But have conflict. But is it truly that, so we don't... Dale? Uh, I, I would imagine for a rent-seeking economy, it's not in the interest of yeah, everybody right, for equality right. to exist. No, no. Uh, sure, you're absolutely right that, it, that there's, there's certain sectors of that. But oh, I would say rational, ordinary people, the vast majority of humans uh, that are on this earth, I, I don't think that when they look at political leadership oftentimes, And, you know, people say, well, you, you know, you, you, you get what you get in the sense of if you're in a democratic situation. But oftentimes it's not that simple. And people are I mean, you look at the uh, U.S. example again of, of denying huge swathes of the, uh, of the population de trying to disenfranchise them because they're the wrong skin color. Or, you know, we've seen this before. This is coming back again. So yeah. in that context, yeah, I think, we, you know, we, we, we're again, it gets back to the, the, the situation where um, we have the leaders, we have the capacity. We have the, the things and we, we need to recreate. And I think if the youth are looking at their future, they're going, look, we can't have this crew in charge much for longer because they're going to destroy our world. Um, I mean, it's just it's an existential question for the for the younger generations as well. Absolutely. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. We're going to take a break. On the other side of this, we continue the show. I'm in conversation with Dr. Dale McKinley, Research and Education Educational Officer at the International Labor and Research Information Group. Let's go to the lines and take some of your reactions to this. Uh, Gole, out in Pulukwane. Gole, good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm fantastic. Go right ahead for I'm it, sir. Look, I think the doctor should really accept that we are in the doorstep of the failed state. You see, when we start to deny this, we will be denialist and we will not accept. Of course, they accept that we need to do something. I think now we really need good leadership. And we've gone south already. We really need good men and women who will be counted and raise their hands and say, yes, the future of our children is doomed unless we do something drastically now. You see, we are now thinking of former Tawombe, although he was a very good leader, though he had his problems of HIV, AIDS, protecting the lead, Chikisilibe, Agliote, and the likes. But when it comes to economics and management, it was mm. good. Nine wasted years. Remember, people were denying. Even today, communists are still denying that the state is broke. So if you don't accept it, you're not going to fix it. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Thank you so much. People. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for your call, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Dale, before I go on to the next call, I perhaps do want to ask this question. There may well be a, there's a pool of mixed talent, right? Of course, bad talent, good talent, average talent, promising talent, and uh, past its due date talent in, in our leadership pool, right? Are South Africans, ordinary South Africans, able to tell those apart? Do we know a good leader from a bad leader? Well, I think some of uh, I think it's, some of us do. Um, I think others are sucked in by uh, sort of populist rhetoric um, and are you know looking for big man saviors and mostly men. Obviously, uh, in 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 the patriarchal society that yeah. we live in, men are the ones. And so you know this this issue of a strong man and and someone who's going to lead us. And I think there is that. Uh, which, which there, there are you know, sort of uh, lineages of that kind of politics, but there are so there are also I think particularly the younger generation 
it's finding its way as well. And, and I mean, let's be talking about accepting things as the way they are. The fact of the matter is, is that the new generation is not going to go back to Tabo and Becky. You're not going to go back to, and, and there we could talk about what happened in the, the late 1990s and 2000s that set the scene for what happened after that and actually created and, and laid the foundations uh, for, for the state capture and all sorts of other things. But irrespective of that, I think we have a, an increasing amount of, of people that are looking for new kinds of leadership. They don't find it out there. So, you know, leadership is just has to be created at the same time. Leaders are thrown up in struggle. This is his, how history works. So if we're simply looking at, you know, the existing leadership and saying, well, that's what, what's on offer, um, well, in maybe in the next election, yes, and, and, and we'll, we're going to go through a transition and things are bad. And, of yeah. course, there are challenges. But w- down the road, I think, I think we have the capacity to, to throw up all sorts of new possibilities and leaders. Absolutely. If we didn't, then I think you, you basically have to bury your head in the sand and say there's nothing you can do. And that's yep. not a particularly good way to live. To Gwala's point, is, is it a form of alarmism? Uh, to resign ourselves to the idea of a, st- a failed state implosion? I, I just don't, I think it's semantics. I think, you know, if we can recognize that there's serious problems, we want to confront those problems. So you're not trying to hide and you're not trying to not confront what's in front of you. But if you name it and say it's a failed state, you know, and everything is, for me, a failed state means pretty much everything has collapsed completely. And that is not the case. So if you want to make an objective case for South Africa, you can say, yes, things are bad. Yes, things need to be improved greatly on a whole range of fronts. But have we totally fallen apart? Have we have a situation where we have anarchy and chaos everywhere and everybody's fighting each other all the time? No, we don't. But we have elements of that and we need to, that's why we need to act now. So I think you can have that perspective without being fatalistic about it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Zoe in King Williamstown. Zoe, uh, go for it. Good evening. Good evening, Kuda. Uh, Zoe, uh, I'm going to ask you to speak a lot louder than that. Yes, I agree with uh, your guest. Yo, Zoe, can I can I just put I you agree. back and see? Can I put you back and I see if we can get you on a better line, Zoe? You you're not very audible at the moment. Uh, I'm going to put I, you I, back and see if we can get you on a better line. That's not very audible. Anonymous in KZN. Anonymous. Good evening. You're also not very loud. Can you, let's try that uh, one more time. Can you directly into your phone, Anonymous? Good evening. Uta? There we go. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Yeah, go ahead. Like You're live it. on the radio. Like, uh, like uh, spilling all that beans on, whatever he's spilling on. I think he's a dumb. And he's just rolling on the American nonsense that they have told us for the longest time and ask him nicely how they actually got America. Sorry, what? How they got America. Sorry, can you ask him? I'm struggling to locate the coordinates of your point. Uh, just no, maybe no, no, draw no. me back to the relevance. No, okay. You want to have relevance? Um, how did you get to where you are? We're having the same conversation with the, from Kenya asking the English to give them reparations and all these things. We're having the same conversation. <coughs> yeah, no, uh, sorry, Zoe, I'm not sure that's the same conversation we're having. I'm a little no, bit no, lost are. and, and uh, completely dumbfounded there. But thanks a lot for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, Marvin in Cape Town. Marvin, good evening. Hi, good evening, Oliver. Good Hi, evening, Marvin. Doc. Go ahead. Um, I agree 100% with the doc. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I believe that uh, 
um, we we can make a difference. We can make a change. We need to get the young people out to come and vote and get a different government. Our government has failed us, and they they don't know the way forward any longer. Um, the only way to move forward and to actually consider, you know, South Africa as a whole, as one people, that I think would be the ideal situation for, for us to move forward from. Um, to move away from the segregation of black, white, colored. Everyone in South Africa is South Africans. Okay. And yeah. and if you're born here, that is what we should we should be pushing. Okay. Um, but we we can definitely you know we can we can change things if we change this government. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Thanks a lot, Marvin. Appreciate it, Marvin, calling us from Cape Town. Zoe and King Williamstown. Hopefully, we can hear you a lot clearer this time around. Go for it. Yes. Can you hear me now? A lot better. Go for it, sir. Yeah, I agree with, the, with the, your guest, McKinley. Is it McKinley? McKinley, yeah. Yeah, that uh, we are a resilient bunch of people. We the ordinary people. I'm one of those ordinary people. Uh, uh, look, the zeal and resilience that I can speak to you, but I, I, my, my account is zero. It's not about finance. I'm a zero, zero. I never benefited from this government, but I am for the view that the leadership that we now need are people in the words of uh, Judge Owen Rogers, a people who can distinguish themselves by their absence, not their presence, at the corruption feeding trough. Just like Oliver Tambo, like one caller from Lipopo said, uh, uh, Tabo Mbeki. Oliver Tambo was one of the best leaders that you ever had. Yeah. You see, yeah. so uh, yeah. I agree that we, the ordinary people, but the institutions, we need to trust institutions. But now, for example, I don't trust the institutions that I should be trusting. The decisions about the protector, I think I still have a little bit of hope in the Concord, Constitutional Court. But I totally, I don't trust them because of what these guys have been doing over these 30 years. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot for that. I appreciate it, Zoe. Really appreciate it. Zoe from King Williamstown. Dale, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really appreciate Absolutely. your insights uh, and, 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 you know, really helping us just really neatly combing through what is really seemingly a mundane question in South Africa's day-to-day life, but an hmm. important normative question around the quality of, a lead- of our leaders and the leadership Indeed. pool that we have. And I think making these sorts of value assessments are critically important. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Oliver, and thank the listeners too. Yeah.